what's up? My name is Grace, and thanks for tuning in to the GT Young Adults Podcast. We're a community, a part of GT Church in Victoria, BC. We love Jesus and have a passion to learn and live like him and have a ton of fun doing it. All of the messages and conversations you find here will point you to his truth and his hope, so lean into whatever God wants to speak to you today. Enjoy what you're about to hear, and thanks for listening. Hey, good evening, everyone. How are you doing tonight? It's good. This seems to be the primary. This is where everyone comes to the cafe and they don't want to go too far. That's what it is, right over there. Hey, uh, good evening once again. My name is Lucas. I'm one of the pastors at the church that just, just love this place. And so thanks for being here tonight. It's the sunniest night of the year and you've come to church. Clearly you love Jesus. Good for you. Give yourselves a, a pat on the back, a little fist bump to your neighbor. Go ahead and say, you got to church. I see you. Way, way to go. That's good. That's a good thing. Um, really excited to continue on in our series, um, which is the Christian walk, which isn't like, we're not just walking through the book of Ephesians. That's not necessarily like the whole heart behind it. The idea of the Christian walk is twofold. One, that Paul uses this term walk seven or eight times in the book of Ephesians, and he's very specific about it. You'll see the way he uses it. He'll say something like, walk as children of light, or walk in love. And he's saying this for you and for me, that we would truly walk in a way that God has called us to walk. It's a manner of life. It's not like just step after step. It's, a, it's, it's the way we live our lives. And so it's a really cool, it's an interesting letter for for many reasons. I said this last week, that this letter itself, the the letter to the church in Ephesus, in the original manuscripts, didn't actually say to the saints at Ephesus. It really is a letter that would have been passed around to all the different churches, and um, which is helpful for us to know, because now we have a greater idea of that this letter itself is extremely centralic to Paul's theology and everything he's doing and the way he's teaching and the way he's planting churches. And so with that in mind, we know there's there's that whole piece of, of what he's saying. Secondly, also, we just know as a church, and I'm sure you know this too, it's fine to come to church on Sunday morning or Sunday night or at Westshore, wherever you may be, and then you you leave, right? Like it's an hour, an hour and a half, depending on who's preaching or how late we feel like going, and, and then you'll you'll go. You'll go to Monday and you'll go to Tuesday. Wednesday and Thursday, and you'll face all the things you have to face. You'll, you'll do all the things you have to do. And the truth be told, the Christian walk doesn't, you know, come to its climax here on Sunday. It's, this is just the beginning. This is just the start. We actually have our whole lives ahead of us that we have to walk. Not just weekly, but monthly, but every year, and different things happen. And so can I just encourage you right now? We're, we, we understand the everyday Christian walk. That's what we're trying to do here is to support one another, to support you. We're trying to, to have a greater understanding of your next steps. We're trying to challenge you in your next steps. If you don't know this, that's the heart of this church, helping people take next steps on their spiritual journey by revealing the life-giving message of Jesus. So all of this ties in, and we just feel like we have done a lot of stuff on the heart lately. We did the Sermon on the Mount series, which was really impactful. We just did Freedom uh, freedom Groups, which was really powerful. A lot of heart work, right? If you did it, you're like deep diving into some serious things, trauma, different, different things that have happened. And now we feel like, okay, we've done this deep dive, if you will. How about just living it out? So that's the heart of the series. I, I give a lot of context each week to the series because it's important to me. But I want you to know we're switching gears tonight. Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 were all about um, who we are in Christ. And now we're going into Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, which is how we live in Christ. And Paul makes a very unique change here. Like he's going to shift gears. 
And he's gonna start saying things like, this is how you walk and then this is how you do it. Similar to the Sermon on the Mount, honestly. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is why, this is how. You are the salt of the earth. This is why, this is how. And now Paul's gonna do something, something similar. He's gonna walk wisely. This is how, this is why. And we, are, we begin to see this recap, this mimic. And, but he has spent three chapters, like I said, on the foundational pieces. And this is important for you to know. I know many people in here, even tonight, some of you are searching. Some of you are like, I think, yeah, I, think I'm, I think I'm on board with this Jesus thing, but I have a few questions. For some of you, you've been a Christian for a long time, but things change, life changes, right? Maybe you face something that's different. And so now you're coming up against like, what do we do with this cultural issue? Or what do we do with this thing that I'm thinking about? And so Paul takes this time to make sure that we have a strong biblical foundation because without it, we can't actually grow and we can't actually walk out this Christian walk. You need a, a biblical foundation to further, for further growth and for your, for your Christian walk. You really do. Like, if you really feel like you can just do this walk on your own without any support, biblical worldview or not, friends, it's gonna be difficult. And Paul's saying that, he's saying, even if you just take this one simple thing, like, it is by grace you have been saved. If you just even tweak that a little bit, we're already messing up with the good news, the gospel. I always say this, don't I? I've been saying it from the start of the six till now. You don't need to water down or add to the gospel. It is perfect just the way it is. So with that in mind, we're gonna go into Ephesians 4. I know, like, listen, I know there's not a lot of us in here right now, but listen, this is a good thing. This is a really, this is a changing of what's about to happen in this chapter. Are you ready for this? No, you're not, because no one said anything. Clearly, you're not ready. And you know what? When I first read it, neither was I. Like, he, like I'm serious. I'm not saying this to pump myself up for the sermon. He's about to shift everything in this letter. He went from being really like, you were dead in your transgressions, but now you're alive in Christ. It's awesome. He was like, the Holy Spirit is with you, and his riches in his glory, all these things. And he's about to turn it on you and me. He's about to make you dig deep and ask yourself some hard questions about how you live out your faith. And I'm, truly, I'm not asking like, are you ready? Woo, let's get into it. That wasn't the response I was hoping. I was banking on you saying nothing. Joke's on you. Because honestly, I'm not sure, like, this, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Ephesians 4, verse 1, I think it's page 948 in the Blue Bible in front of you. Um, we're in the ESV tonight. It's on the screens. It says this. I, this is Paul speaking, therefore, so everything you've just heard, right? What's it there for? Thank you, teachers in the house. What's it there for? It's all about this. Are you ready? A prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, or another version will say, in, in which you have received. Once again, I, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Now, I know we're only two verses in, but there's already so much to unpack. And this first verse has like stopped me all week. Like I procrastinated for like two weeks on the second half of this sermon because I was just dialed in on this thought. Urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. Like he just switched gears, friends. Everything's changed here. He's saying, now you've heard it all. Now let's go. Time to get to it. 
Time to get after it, time to get to work in, in, in some sense. And this word worthy is this Greek word axios, which Paul uses very rarely. In fact, he only uses it, and other writers too, it's only used when it's attached to God or the good news or Jesus or something like that. And I have them all here for you. We'll race through them because we don't have time to unpack all these, but this is Romans 16. You might receive from the Lord being worthy of saints, right? Attached to the Lord. Ephesians 4.1, which I just read. Philippians 1.27, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, Colossians 1, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the good news. 1 Thessalonians, that you would walk in a manner worthy of, the, of God. You, you seeing what I'm saying? To send them on their way in a manner worthy of God, 3 John. This is not a small thing. He's attached this to something really important. And what he's saying here is not that you're worthy and you have all that you need. Like it's not, this isn't some Instagram wisdom that he's trying to throw your way. That's not what this is. You have what you need today to get through the day. That's not what he's saying here. He's not saying you are so worth it and you can make it, it's all good. No, that's not what he's saying here. He's saying, please, don't minimize the work on the cross. Don't minimize the cross by doing nothing with your salvation. That's what he's saying. Walk in a manner worthy of this beautiful gift of grace by which you have received. When you elevate and you really, when you really take a step back, and we, I think we try and do this a lot of the six, maybe because it's just been my heart lately. When you try and take a step back from your own life and objectively look at the grace and the goodness and the love of Christ, it's, it's elevated in your own heart and in your own mind. You know what I mean? When you really look at the beauty and the wonder of what Christ has done, when you recognize that he died for your sin and for me, when, when he went to the cross for you and for me, that there is a savior who loves you, he's saying, when you have that mind frame and that attitude and that perspective, walk in a way that honors such a perspective. You hear what I'm trying to say tonight? Walk in such a way that you truly honor the cost of the cross. It's like taking communion like we don't rush that, we slow down and we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. And he's saying, walk like that. Walk like every day you've stopped, you've remembered the beauty, the grace you've received, that it's the greatest gift, that you could not earn it, you could not buy it, that he died for you and for me. Walk with that mindset. Walk with that heart. Walk with that commitment. I always say in premarital, I've done it with some of you guys here, like you don't just honor like the words you say necessarily or, or the person in front of you, you honor the vow you make. Like when, you, when you've been to marriage, maybe some of you, it's already summer season, right? Summer season post-COVID, a lot of weddings, right? Right, there's a lot of weddings, it's beautiful. I love weddings. You see this couple, you see them up there and they're looking in each other's eyes and, and they say this beautiful vow, whatever it may be, they may choose it. It may be one of the more classic ones you've heard in sickness and in health for richer or for poorer for better or for worse, I choose you. And I tell couples, I'll say, honor that value made. Put that in such a high esteem, in such a high spot that you honor it every day in the way you walk and the way you love your spouse. This is what Paul is talking about. He's saying, you, you get it now. You've received this grace. So walk in it like you really understand it. Walk in it like every single day somebody has saved your life. I don't know, I, I've never had like a life, no one's ever saved my life in a way. I have a, a very close friend who, um, a very close friend who who's driving on his way to Revelstoke and if you've driven that highway at all, you know it's a little bit scary and sketchy and it was kind of like late spring, so still a little bit 
not great, not wonderful weather, and, and right in front of him, him and his friend, right in front of him, a car just hit some ice, went straight through the medium and straight into like Lake Ocean. I can't remember exactly what it was. It must have been Lake, obviously. Like straight into it, right into water. And, and I'll never forget what Matt did. He said we just, it was like reaction. Him and his friend pull over right away. Uh, they just jump out, jump in the lake, and, and literally save these two people's lives. This was like, it's my best friend going up in high school. I remember talking to him after, and, and for him, he just was kind of in shock, and he didn't realize what happened. He won this big award, this, this whole thing. But this lady said, I'll never live a day without recognizing that someone saved my life. You know what I mean? Like, I'm really trying to drive this point home. Imagine that happened to you. Imagine you went through such a, a, a moment, a traumatic experience, that someone really did that for you. Like, you wouldn't take it for granted. It's like stepping into church. Man, I don't ever want to go to church online again. And I understand there's a point to it, and, and we do it for, for people who can't, of course. But I'll never take for granted worshiping live. I'll never complain about musicians again. I'm just happy to be in the house worshiping with you guys. I mean it. You know what I mean? Man, there's something here, guys. There's something here that's important. He's called us to live it out, to be serious, to take it seriously. Um, real quick, me and my wife were, were looking through some old photos recently, and and we were having some time with our in-laws. And uh, my father-in-law, we found one of his old report cards, which was hilarious, by the way. <laughs> like a report card in 19, I don't know, 76 was far different than today's report cards. Let's just say that. I know there's some teachers in the house. And um, it was like, my father-in-law is amazing. He's such a good guy. He, he, he lived on a 10,000 acre wheat farm. Like he was up at like whatever time. And then he'd like, he'd get to school if he needed to. <laughs> but like, he was working the farm all day. Like small town Saskatchewan. Like this guy didn't, you know, and so some of the remarks are like, just, they're just brutal. Like his attendance is bad and so are his grades. Like not nice. Like, like I'm not kidding. Like they held no punches. It was like, are you happy with Smart? I would say not. Like really passive aggressive. Now report cards, it's everything you can do. Georgia, I got her report card. Georgia can do this really good now. Great, well, can't she? Like, I don't, I'm just assuming, so my child's a superhero. Awesome, good to know. Like, so there's some teachers in here who are grinning so big because they know that report, like, can you imagine saying what you wanted to say on a report card? Your son is the worst, like, whatever it is. And one of the things at the end, at the end of this report card, and I think it's because, again, my father-in-law, again, hardest working man I know. He knew, like, like math wasn't for him. Like, he's like, social studies, don't care. Like, I I'm on a farm. Like, I got work ahead of me. He had, like, three jobs, whatever it was. He was already building houses at this point. And um, I remember, like, at the very end of this report card, I can't remember what it was, what grade it was, but it just said, when will you get serious? When will you get serious about this? And I read that, and it, like, it struck me about my faith. And I was like, that's a big question to ask. I wonder if that's a question I should ask myself every day. Like, when are we really going to take this seriously? And I just, I remember that, seeing that report card, I was looking through it recently, and I, thinking about this sermon, like, that's what Paul's saying, you guys. When are you going to take this seriously and understand that, like, lives are at stake, people around you, this is the call, this is grace upon grace that's for you every single day. You understand what I'm saying. I've made my point. Verse two, it says, with all humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. And, and often people will take, I've heard kind of sermons taking those things, that's what will help you. Those are the characteristics you need to live in the manner which you've been called. But really that is all kind of a precursor to verse three, which is really key. It says this, therefore, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Thank you, Lord. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, verse three, eager to maintain the unity 
of the spirit, the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. Verse five, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is over all, who is through all and in all. Eager, he says, urge, I urge you, be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. He's saying, church, if you wanna walk out this call, you can't do it divided. We can't be divided if we're going to live this out because he's not calling you to live it out by yourself. He's not saying, Brent's gonna go over there and I'm gonna go over there and Steph's gonna go over there. Like, that's not what he's saying. He's saying the church is supposed to do and live in Christian community. There's supposed to be an element of togetherness that never breaks us. But if we're constantly divided over the smallest issues, we're gonna have some problems. And Paul is saying, listen, he even says this, I love uh, at the end of verse three there, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Meaning you don't come into unity begrudgingly. Well, fine, we can do that song tonight, Robbie. I guess, whatever. It's not my favorite Hillsong song, but I prefer a little Bethel. Like, you know what I mean? Like we start being passive aggressive about the tiny, like what are we even talking about? He's saying, no, 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 be eager for unity in the bond of peace. Like lovingly come to one another and hash things out if you have to, sure. But with the attitude and perspective that we we want the same thing. We're after the same goal. In a time right now where your opinion, your opinion, truly, it matters more than anyone else's, where everyone says everything they think all the time, in a time where news gives you one perspective and ideology and another ideology perspective and they just clash and you have both of them on your news and you don't know what to think or believe and you're constantly filled with, with information and you're not really sure what you even think. There's constant dis- dysfunction, division, and disunity. It's frustrating and it's hard, I get it. I feel the same way. But please hear me tonight, please. This church, our church, your church, the church needs to be steadfast and united. Oh man, I hope you hear that tonight, that we would be united as one. That we would remain, honestly, like we would keep our faith, we'd keep Jesus first and then every single other thing, we'd have the hard conversations when we need to. Maybe that's more the issue. Maybe that's what this, this crowd would say has been the tougher thing. It's not that we don't want to be united. It's that we're not having the other conversations. Then let's have those conversations, whatever that is. I love that. Let's do it. Absolutely. But we can't be perfect on every detail. Listen, there is no church that will serve your every need every single time. That doesn't exist. Can I tell you that? We, we try our absolute best every Sunday to make sure that we have a Christ-centered experience for every person to worship, to learn, and to grow. But I promise you, this church is not perfect. We, as soon as we all came in, it didn't become, it was no longer perfect, and, and we try our best. But I don't even believe you want a church that suits every single perfect, every single need, every single time. Man, don't you want a place that challenges you and asks, makes you think differently and, or, or makes you think about something you didn't think about? or stretches you, or pushes you, or challenges you in ways you didn't know you needed. It's in Jesus, not ministry. In Christ, not preaching. In Jesus on the cross, his resurrection afterward, not in vision. It's in our faith in Christ, Paul says, that we share one body, that we share one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and absolutely one Father. We gotta keep it central, friends. Has to be. On a more practical note, though, it. When you come up with something you disagree with, 
can I encourage you not to post and tweet? And uh, Who tweets? I don't know why I said that. Such a boomer. My bad. <laughs> Tough crowd. Okay, good to know. Um, well, when you, like, you don't need to just, like, I don't, know if, I don't know if ranting about it on our social media is doing much. And here's the funny thing, is I'm going to say this, and we're going to keep doing it. But I wonder if you were to say, like, here's the issue I have, and you put that in the middle. And we do this exercise at church and, and on our teams all the time. I've done it with our youth team. I'll say, like, here's the thing I'm thinking about. Here's the thing I want to talk about. But I want to put it in the middle because it's not mine. It's all of ours, and we're all trying to figure this out. And then we take a step back and we remember that we're all on the same team. Sometimes me and Trina, and you have to actually do, friends, sometimes you have to actually pick something up. Me and Trina will do this. Okay, here's the issue, babe. And it's a cup or, a, I don't know, a burrito, whatever we have right at that moment. And we put it in the middle. So, okay, that's the issue. We're on the same team. You and I want the same thing. Maybe not right now in this moment. Maybe we have different ways of getting there. Maybe we disagree with the outcome right now, but we believe and we want the same thing. We want peace and unity. So what are we gonna do to get there? You start, I'll listen, I'll only listen. And then I'll, I'll respond and we'll try and get our way through this. And so putting that thing in the middle sometimes is really helpful. Because friends, unity is key. We can't live out the calling by which we have been called, by which we have received. If we're gonna be at each other's throats and have division, we have to fight for this gotta fight for this. I, I'm an extremely defensive person. Absolutely. I like, hate being told I'm wrong. 100%. But I open the dialogue and the conversation where it, where it needs to happen, about where things need to change, about what we need to do. Paul lays down these doctrinal points to make sure we remember that as the church grows, as you grow, as you live out your Christian walk, and we walk in a manner worthy, we don't forget what keeps us together. Christ and baptism and all these things. And here's what's really interesting. The church of Ephesus was not like this 18-person home church. That's not what this was. This wasn't a small, like the church, like the letter to the people in Colossae, the Colossians letter, small church, church plant. Ephesus is huge. Over 20,000 people at one point, they believe. Mega church, friends. Absolutely massive. Every denomination or generation, every like social economical background, Gentile, Jew, it doesn't matter. Everyone was at this place. Big church. A lot of division, I'm sure. If they can fight for it, so can we. Amen? Let's fight for it. Charles Spurgeon, who is just an absolute legend, preached more sermons than I probably ever will, said this, that he said this when he was talking about promoting unity, that divisions in churches never begin with people whom are completely in love with the Savior. I want to believe that for us too. And so I, I think you understand what I'm trying to say. Okay, we hear what Paul's saying. He's saying, live out the calling, great. Strive for unity in humility and in you know, compassion, all those things, okay. Do it together, right. That's great, but what about outside the church? Like unity in here with this group, we could probably find that. We could probably find center, whatever that is, right? But unity out there? You're joking. It's not gonna work. No chance. How do we live this call in such a way that we actually have unity in the places, in the workplaces we go, in the schools we, we work at, go to, and on our homes and our relationships? 
This is a tension that actually Andy brought up last week in our morning services. He, he said this, he said, Jesus walked in love, in humility, and in patience, yet he also walked in truth, in justice, and in goodness. So how did he toe that line of grace and truth so perfectly? Yeah, he was God, but he was also fully human. Like, how did he do that? And I think, honestly, Paul lays it out for us here, but it's kind of different. Will you guys do something with me? Will you trust me here? We're gonna go into a spot that's a little bit different and unique, but I think it's really important. And I think it actually has, if you get it, if you like, put your hands on, if you grip it, like you'd really see that something can change here. In verses seven through 12, Paul kind of describes the, the grace that Christ has gifted us with, which is different gifts. And if you've been around church at all, you'll, you'll know this. And if you haven't, you might still know this because often these terms are used for like uh, specific leadership or like personality tests sometimes. Sometimes, not always, mostly in the church world, but for sure I've seen them around. By the grace of God, we've all been gifted, he says. And, and he lays out the five-fold leadership styles, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. That the church has these. And he's not just talking about like staff. He's talking about us, the body of Christ. He's saying within that body, there are apostles, people who start new things, innovators, like he, people who, who, who sense and see something and can get after it. Prophets, people who have a word, hear from the spirit, who can speak prophetically. Evangelists, those who wanna go out and love the, the unlovable, like we mentioned last week. Shepherds, people who gather and help grow and nurture and teachers, people who teach the word, teach the good news. And Paul's reminding us that it's not in our strength that we walk out unity. That it's not actually in your abilities and talents. It's not actually just by this grace that we walk it out. But if you want to walk out the manner by which you call, you, you're called to live out, then you have to understand how you're gifted. Again, don't, like, don't, don't lose me here, okay? I, I want to go here because I think it's really key. In the message, Eugene Peterson paraphrased it like this, this whole 7 through 12. He says, God handed out gifts above and below. He filled heaven with gifts. He filled earth with his gifts. He handed out the gifts of apostle and prophet, evangelist and pastor teacher to train Christ followers. That's you and me, maybe, right? He, he, to have in skilled servant work, working with Christ's body, the church, you and me, until we're all moving rhythmically. I love that. Until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other. There's that unity, efficient and graceful in response to God's son. Fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. I love this paraphrase. You are gifted. You are gifted. And I read that this week and thought, well, there it is. This is why uni out there feels so difficult because we're trying to do it in our own strength. We're trying to bend, not break to every single person's need and thought and how they feel all the time. And listen, I'm not saying we don't be empathetic and loving and caring and counsel. I'm not saying we don't do that. I'm just saying we're so concerned with pleasing people and working out of a place that helps and thinks, well, they need that rather than asking God, how have you gifted me and how then do I love people? It's a, it's a different paradigm. It's a different shift. And I'm asking you to consider how has God gifted you? Because maybe working out of your own talents has just made you tired, like Sakel was saying, made you feel just like burnt out. And this whole like living out this Christian walk thing feels kind of just strenuous and stressful. And I just wonder if you worked out of a place of giftedness, a place out of grace, a place that you know your strength is, you'd be surprised 
how much unity and love and compassion and how that Christian walk really comes to life. Those who are tapped into their spiritual gifting are those who I believe are seeing spiritual growth in their life. Because in the church right now, I mean this, we call this, um, I, I'm seeing like a real beautiful shift happen right now. Maybe just because we're coming out of COVID, praise the Lord, right? I hope so. If I ever have to say that again, you know. Maybe, I don't know what it is. Like you, we just, we're seeing something shift. Um, man, like we do prayer on Tuesdays and some of you should come. Some of you have Tuesdays at like noon hour, right at noon off. And I would encourage you to come. We pray for specific things. We can pray for you if you'd like. And I'm just seeing this really beautiful shift take place. And, and kind of each week, one or more, two or more people kind of show up in different ways. And there's these four ladies who sit kind of like four or five rows back on this side. And they sit there every week and they pray. They pray with us with all of their heart. And But lately, they've just sensed they need to pray more. And so after, after the pastors are done praying and we all go to work, they pray outside our building. And they go for a walk around our building and pray over us. And then when that's done, they, they've recently been walking the streets and just praying over our city. These ladies are old, by the way. They're not here, so I can say that, and I don't feel bad. No, I'm just kidding. They're not old. They're not. I'm just teasing. These ladies are like women of God, faithful servants who will do whatever it takes to make sure every street, every corner, every address is prayed in the name of Jesus. Like, you just see it in them, this beautiful sense, and I'm blown away. Like, there is a bit of a revival taking place right now within the church. Because, friends, revival happens in the church before it happens outside the church. And this is a big Christian word. What does that really mean? Like, you're talking some weird meetings. and Like, listen, I'm talking about, like, a beautiful rising of what truly matters. And first, I'm seeing this beautiful revival over the Word of God. I, I see it in some of you. I see lots of you guys just dropping your Instagram because you're just tired of it. Like, please, Lord, no more. No more ads for the love of all. No, you know, like, I just, I don't want to do it. I don't want to look. I don't need to double. I don't, mm, like, I hate it. I don't want it. And I see some of you, like, I don't, I don't want just this and that. I want something that, like, refreshes my soul, not drains my soul. I want something that gives me life, not takes away life. Something that soothes and refreshes and comforts me. And when you found it in the word of God, and I'm seeing this beautiful revival happen in the Bible. Not revival that the Bible has been old and doesn't, can't be used anymore. It's, it's active and real, but I'm saying it's becoming alive in us. It's awesome. And I'm seeing this revival in this spiritual authority. This recognition of gifts that we really are called and graced and gifted to live in a manner by which we have been called. But again, Paul warns us. He says, don't fight your battles alone. He says this, this is, this is me closing right here. Ephesians 4, verse 14. So that we may no longer be children, he writes, right? Fully developed, this is where we landed, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning by craftiness and, deceit, and deceitful schemes. He's saying, listen, don't just get caught up in what anyone else is saying, in the human condition, in the human cunningness, in the human whatever, culture, the world, whatever it is. And you guys know this about me. I don't like painting this big, like, us versus them picture. That's not my heart. But Paul's saying something clear, like, there is a different point of view than the biblical point of view. And it, you see it every day. He's saying, rather than that, 
speaking the truth in love. There's truth again. Speaking truth in love, we are to grow up in every way to, into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Every joint, every person, gifted and graced, equipped with a gift, when every, each part is working properly, makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Friends, I know there's a lot of scripture here. I'm not trying to be... Like, I'm not, I'm just, there's, it's, every time we preach Paul, it's like, there's so much there. You have been called to live in a way that honors the cross and honors Christ. We have been called to do it together in unity, eagerly. He urges us to do that so that you're not alone. But in that, he's gifted you and graced you with incredible gifts. And if you don't walk in your spiritual authority, the Christian walk is going to feel heavy. It's going to feel burdensome. But that's what Jesus says. He literally asks us, he tells us, we talked about it tonight. His yoke is like easy. His burden is light. That in him, you can find rest and joy and work can be a beautiful, wonderful endeavor, not something you don't like to do. And Paul right here is saying, let's get serious about this. Let's get after this. Don't be like the culture. Don't say things like them. You don't need to post stuff on Facebook rather than having hard conversations with real people. Don't live your life through a medium where you're only texting and, and like have some phone calls. Meet one-on-one. Have that hard discussion where you need to. We're sending articles to each other by like the onion and think we're like, God's like, like my goodness, you guys. Like this is what's happening all the time. And Paul's saying, don't do that. Don't be lazy in doctrine. Don't be lazy in empathy. I heard this new term, it's called caption Christian. Not a closet Christian, not a consumer Christian, but caption Christian. It's where you're, you're only really a Christian in your different, cap, like in your captions and your Instagram and your, in your Snapchat bios. <laughs> I just heard someone go rip me. <laughs> yeah, like that's, it's true, right? It's the new term they're using for this generation, caption Christians. In your captions and in your bios, you can find out you're a Christian. That's about it. Robbie, why don't you join me, man? We'll sing a song in a moment. I just want to share one story with you guys. I want us to get serious. I want you to know that you've been graced and gifted, like I've said. Understand that God is with you. You're not alone. Live out that call. It's absolutely worth it. I recognize that this sermon sounds super missional. And if you're not a Christian in here, I understand that you might be like, this guy's preaching like heart. Like, we gotta go get it, get serious. What does that even mean? Let me just end with a few thoughts here. As a Christian, specifically Christians in here, we're called to live boldly. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul writes in Romans. We stick to the truth, friends. And yet, we love in such a way, we love so dramatically, so scandalously, that people have to ask questions about the faith that's different inside of you. We have to represent truth and grace. We have to walk this line and we do it with the spiritual authority, the giftedness that we have. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say tonight? You may need to jump on GrowTrack. You may need to go to like 5Q. It's a great website that shares all the stuff. Alan Hirsch will write that name down. This guy is brilliant. He knows what he's talking about on this stuff. But I want to share a story with you recently. I'm not trying to make a point here, a political point. I just want to share a story with you recently that I had 
that I think encapsulated what I'm trying to say. I was rolling up to a Starbucks recently. Don't judge me, okay? I don't, yes, disco and hey happy and all those places are, are better. Yes, Lord, in Jesus' name, okay? But once in a while, an iced coffee with coconut milk and a little caramel drizzle didn't hurt anybody, okay? Let's go. Venti mocha frappuccino, sorry. And I pulled up and my drink wasn't ready yet or they made it wrong or something, I can't remember. And that dreaded question was coming as I was headed to the sixth on Sunday night. So what are you up to tonight? Do I lie? Do I say I'm going to church? Because if I say I'm going to church, then we're having a conversation. It's true, you so know it's true. And so many of you are like, oh, nothing. Really, you're driving to church. But I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm headed to church actually, I'm a pastor. Just, poof, she didn't even ask what I did, but I said it, went for it. She's like, oh, cool. Like, conversation over. Like, that's how you really, if you really want to end a conversation with someone, just tell them that you're like, you're going into a nunnery or something. I don't know, you're going to, maybe that'll help. I don't, it helps with me, it works with me, I'm not sure. So I'm going to church tonight, I'm a pastor. So, oh, cool. Like, yeah, you, if you're off soon, you should join us. Which at the time sounded really inviting and friendly. And then it's, I was like, maybe that sounded creepy. I don't know. I'm so scared to invite. I am. I know. I was like, I had instantly, I were like, sorry. If you, I mean, if you want, not a big, you don't have to. I'm going to go. We won't have to go together. I'll be there. 1800 Quadra if you want to come. Whatever. And I was just really like talking over myself and got really, she's like, no, no, no. That's really kind, actually. Thanks for the invite. I just, I don't go to church anymore. I was like, oh, can I ask why? And I put the car in park. There's no one behind me. And we sat there and we had a bit of a conversation. And I really like, I felt in that moment, like again, that pastoral gifting in my heart just leaned in. I was listening to every word. She was really hurt by the church. I still feel hurt by the church. I don't really trust the church. I don't even know what that term means. Like, that's a really good question. I, I, I think you'll never find the answer to that if you don't keep seeking it out. She's like, no, I just, I don't think the church actually loves people the way I love people. I'm like, fair, what do you mean by that? And she pointed at the pride flag on her shirt. I was like, oh, okay, I understand what you're saying. She's like, I don't think you're the type, I don't know, like, if the church, if you love the church the way I love the church, or people, excuse me, the way I love people. And, and I just said to her boldly, profoundly, and I meant it with all my heart. I said, listen, you and I may have a very different idea, a very different view of what a good sexual ethic looks like. I'm aware of that not even just talking about the pin on your shirt, and generally speaking. We may just see what, what sex is and what it looks like and how that is meant to be lived out properly and, 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 and in, this, in this time, whatever that means to you, we may have a very different opinion there. But I promise you that every single person, no matter what, is welcome and loved in our church and by God. And I really mean that. I really mean that. Sorry if that hurts you, but that's what I believe. She said, I've never heard it said that way. And I really appreciate you saying that. And she gave me my Starbucks. She didn't charge me. Let's go. I'm just kidding. What matters is this, is that there is a call in her life. And I know it may feel awkward. And you're like, how do we find unity? I believe her and I, we may not have found like perfect unity, but we found common ground. There was a bond of peace between us. There was no hostility. I'm not nervous about going through that drive-through. In fact, I, I'm constantly, like not constantly, I'm going there because I'm like, I wonder if that, I wonder if there's any, any growth there. I wonder if there's any like harvest there, whatever that may be, any seeds plant, whatever it means. 
And so I just want you to know, I think we have a call to love boldly, to have, we, we as Christians need to be the most active in empathy and justice out of any group of people there is, period, full stop, 100%. And I hope this generation will pick up that mantle and truly act on it and not just post about it. I really hope that that's the legacy we leave. That we said one thing and we also did that one thing. We didn't not do what we said we were going to do. And that's my heart and hope, that we would love so boldly that people have to ask about it. That we would love in places that almost feels awkward and uncomfortable for us because of the truth we know. Like, I think that's the constant towing where it's like, I know that this is the truth, but I'm still gonna love this person and it's gonna look radical and fearless and ferocious almost in a way they're not gonna know what to do because God loves every single person. He has a heart for everyone. We have a deep compassion and also a deep commitment to God. There is a place for all of that. And I know this sermon sounds missional and that's because one, it is, but secondly, it's also personal. What could be more personal, hear me, than a God who has created you, graced you, and gifted you. He's given you spiritual authority to walk in. Six, please hear this. And he wants to walk beside you and build something up bigger than you. That's our God. That's a powerful statement. Think about that. That he's graced you, created you, and gifted you. And said, by the way, this thing we're trying to build, this unity out there, you're not alone in it. I'm giving you spiritual authority. I'm giving you the church. And I will give you myself every single day if you only just ask. I want to walk in a way, like I said last week, I want to walk in a way that is worthy of the beauty and of the gospel, that like the grace I've received. And it's going to take deep love and deep unity. So if you want that too, then stand with me and let's pray. And Robbie can lead us in a tag or a song. And I want you to know, this is a place you can ask questions. This is a place you can wrestle. This is a place you're loved, that God loves you and sees you, and so do we. And it's my heart that you would know that every single time you join us here at the Six. Heavenly Father, we love you. Jesus, thank you that you love us. Thank you, God, that you love every single person, every soul, that you died for the world, Lord. I pray tonight, Jesus, that people would truly leave here ready for whatever lies ahead, that their Christian walk, that every heart in here, every young adult, every, every, every person, every mom, every dad, every college student, every friend, every boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever it is in this place, would feel truly empowered and graced to go and walk in a way that honors you, Jesus. Jesus, give us, help us, remind us, show us that you have gifted us. I pray that the person who feels, I don't know where I land, you would show them this week how you graced them and gifted them to live out a call that only they can live out. So whether they're a barista at a coffee shop, whether they're taking classes this week, whether they are working construction, whether they're in the classroom for a few more days. I pray in Jesus' mighty name that there would be an empowerment and an equipping to really feel boldly to love and act in a way that honors you and loves every person they encounter. Jesus, we need you. We love you and we worship you. And everybody said, come on, everybody said,